Welcome back, friends. You are listening to Parenting for the Culture on the Black Love Podcast Network, and I am your host, Cherise Sims, mama to six beautiful heavens, ages 13, 11, 10, 7, and twin five-year-olds. I'm an educator, a parent coach, and hopefully your friend. I hope we're friends by now. That's why I always say, welcome back, friends. As always, I like to start with the peak and pit of my day. It's something that I do with my family that just helps connect us and open up conversation to deeper conversations that help us to get to know one another on a more personal level, which helps all around in our relationship and in my job as their parent. But it's also something I like we share it with my spouse also and my partner. You know, it's a great way to get to know anybody. So I invite you to do it. I hope you've already picked up the habit of doing peak and pit of your day with your family Um, And if you haven't, try it out and let me know how it goes. So the peak of my day, it's simple. I'm looking out my window and a hummingbird just flew by and I'm oddly obsessed with hummingbirds. I really love them and I think I should get some hummingbird feeders so I can see them more often. And the pit of my day, I don't really have a pit to be honest. It's been a good day. I want to share another peak. I got a trampoline for my children. So I'm really excited to put that up and watch them jump outside in the yard and have something to do when they're getting crazy inside, I can be like, go outside and jump on the trampoline. So I've I've got nothing but peaks today. And today I actually want to talk about picky eaters. (laughs) Did y'all see what I did there? Because I shared my peak and now we're talking about picky eaters, but it's really picky eaters. (laughs) Some of y'all are shaking your head at me. That was a mom joke. Okay. This is parenting for the culture. I'm going to throw out some parenting jokes from time to time, and they're going to be corny as the one that I just told. But today we are talking about picky eaters. Eating is a huge thing, right? We got to do it all day, every day. Feeding our children is a huge thing and a huge stress, because especially right now, there's 70,000 moms on social media who are the best moms in the world and feed their children the most amazing things. So we have all this mom guilt around eating. And we some of us want to talk about it. Some of us don't because we think that we're doing something wrong. So we're going to talk about it here today because I know that picky eating is something that I have struggled with probably with five out of six of my children. Four out of six of my children have been picky eaters. I was lucky with two of them, never been picky eaters. They were easy. Of course, the first one ate everything. So I was not set up for the second one, right? But picky eaters is something that is totally normal. I feel like on every episode, I'm telling you guys that your struggles are age appropriate and developmentally appropriate and normal. But truly and honestly, between two to four years old, picky eating is something that happens in that age group, which is why I think all of our children probably just eat hot dogs and chicken nuggets. (laughs) But we are going to talk about it today because it's an important issue. And I think a lot of times a lot of parents are stressed about it and stressing our children out about it. So one of the first things I want to highlight when we're thinking about food and nutrition and eating is more so than worrying about what your child is putting into their body. I want you to shift your perspective. That's pillar one, right? We talk about pillar P, perception and perspective. I want you to switch that over to What is your child's relationship with food? What is your relationship with food? When it comes to feeding our children over the many years that they're going to be with us and the years that they're going to come back home to us, I want you to think more about developing a healthy relationship with food as opposed to focusing so much on what's actually on their plate and what they're actually putting into their bodies. 
So often we do things trying to make sure that they get all of their nutrients that we actually end up harming their relationship to food in a way where we are going to have unhealthy eaters, even though we've been feeding them healthy foods for years. Because we have created a relationship where there is a lot of stress involved, there is a lot of pressure involved. I think several of you, anybody listening, can probably tell me a story about their childhood, about how they used to hate eating a specific food. And it has, your story probably has nothing to do with actually the food and how it tasted and more around the experience of what that food was. I remember for me, it was peas. And I do think that peas are disgusting. I don't know why that's one of the first vegetables we introduce to children. They're supposedly sweet. I think they taste like mush, right? I hated peas. My mom gave me peas all the time on my plate, would not let me leave the table until I ate my peas. And I remember finally learning how to swallow my peas. Like I refused to even chew them. I would just shove all the peas in my mouth, take a big sip of juice, and swallow 50 peas at a time till they were gone. And then I would leave the dinner table mad because I never wanted those peas. That is still my memory. And to this day, I don't eat peas. <laughs> it does not matter that my mom put those on my plate for years. My relationship to peas is I hate you. <laughs> I think we all have that type of memory and that type of story surrounding a food. And most likely, we don't eat that food today because of our relationship and our memory to the stress and the pressure that surrounded it. So I want to start there on what do we do when we have picky eaters? What do we do when they won't eat the food that we give them that's on their plate? There are actually several things that we can do. And I think a couple of things that we should understand before we talk about the things that we can do. We already talked about understanding that this is age appropriate, right? Our children are going to go through phases of picky eating. I also want you to understand that when we are introducing our children to new foods, it's not just about the taste of foods. So sometimes we think our children don't like certain fruits or vegetables because of the taste of them. It's also about the texture. Children are very sensory motivated. So there are a lot of new textures that they're feeling. And the younger the child, children actually learn through their sensory skills before anything else. We always think that we're trying to explain things to our children. And in past episodes, we've talked about how that part of the brain, the logical part of the brain, is the very last to develop. So we can say all day and night how this is healthy, how this is good. It makes your bones grow. It's going to make you taller. I know a lot of us try to influence our children with like, it's going to make your hair grow if your children want long hair, right? Those are all logical things. But our children are actually learning through how things feel on their hands, how things feel in their mouth. So you will notice that your child gravitates most likely to certain foods that are consistent in texture over taste. Like you, you'll look at their diet and you'll say they like these things. Even I started out talking about hot dogs and chicken nuggets. Both are these processed foods that are kind of like hard on the outside, mushy on the inside and warm, right? They taste a little bit different, but they are essentially the same texture. So your child most likely gravitates towards certain textures. And when you introduce new textures, that's kind of what they're struggling with. First of all, I want to say, like, I am not a nutritionist. I am sharing with you my experience of what what I have learned as an educator, because we had to do certain, you know, food trainings and all of that because we had government-funded food <laughs> in our program. So I have had some training in nutrition, but I am more so 
sharing with you not just my training, but my experience as a mom and an educator. And when I really realized that texture was a thing, it was really with my second daughter. And I think you all have heard me talk about her a little bit before, but this is one out of two of my children who have severe food allergies. And so for my second daughter, she would she would throw up everything, even when I was nursing her, because I was eating foods she was allergic to, not really realizing that she's allergic to the foods, but she was throwing up everything. So at the point where we would have been introducing new foods to her, we were not able to introduce a lot of those foods to her because she, she couldn't eat them. She couldn't keep them down. And what I did not know at that time that I do know now is that The biggest harm in that was not just that we couldn't get new foods to her, but she actually missed the period of development where she is learning how to eat and process different textures. And that might sound crazy to you because it sounded absolutely crazy to me because I just thought, you just give people food, (laughs) like give them food, they eat the food. The idea of learning how to eat was one of the craziest concepts to me. But some things are so natural that we don't realize that they're happening. So a lot of times when our children are young and we're introducing all of these new foods to them, we think we're just introducing new foods. We think, okay, they've got a couple more teeth now. They know how to chew and break the food down so we can give them more things. But we are actually introducing new textures, new tastes, and children are actually learning how to chew, how to swallow, where the food goes in their mouth. I I know it sounds crazy. It still sounds crazy to me when I say it, except that I know and see it to be true. Because when they told me, oh, she's going to need occupational therapy to learn how to eat. And I said, haha, that sounds ridiculous. Now I have an 11 year old that still don't know how to eat certain textures. <laughs> because again, it's a sensory thing, right? So her body had been programmed and wired to respond to certain textures in a certain way. And so now in order for her to learn how to eat, certain textures, she does actually have to go through a therapy where they do things like brush her skin as she chews something new and teach her where in her mouth to put it so that her nervous system doesn't react to the texture in the way that it's been wired to do so from an early age because her body had to keep her safe from things that she shouldn't have been eating. So as we're introducing these new textures, I just want you to understand it'll help you with knowing what to try, what not to try, but also like what the problem might be, right? It might not just be about they don't like the taste of this. It might be that they need to get used to the texture, but your children can get used to the texture. Now, obviously, my daughter, the second one, she's a different story because she had food allergies and other things that came along with that. So that's a little different. Not all children are going to need occupational therapy to learn how to eat, but all children are learning how to eat. So we're going to give them those chances to do it. And the way that we do that without pressuring them and without giving them the stress of things is by offering a little bit on their plate, right? So obviously when our children are newborns and they're young, we start to introduce to them different baby foods. If you are an Instagram mom, you have your blender and you're making the popsicles and you're blending all the things and you're giving that to them, you're juicing all the things. And all of that is amazing and wonderful. And I definitely encourage you to do that if you have the time and capacity to be able to be that mom, for sure do it. I had the time and capacity to be that mom for a few years. (laughs) At this point in my life, I do not have the time or mental or emotional capacity to do that. 
right? On some days, maybe. On most days, I got to go with what I know, which is Albertsons, Ralph's, Whole Foods. But you are going to introduce your child to new foods a little bit at a time. So as they get older, you're going to put new foods on their plate. You're not going to force them to eat it. You're just going to put it on on their plate. It's just an invitation. And I also want you to know that children typically don't like something the first five to six times that they try it. That doesn't mean don't give it to them. It means give it to them at least five to six times so that they can try it until the point that they know whether or not they actually like it. And when I say five to six times, I don't mean Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, put this on their plate until they eat it because that can feel like pressure. What I mean is that every other day or so, you're going to put a little bit on their plate and you're going to say, oh, it's just there if you want to try it. One thing that I think is super helpful and that has been really helpful both in my school and in my home, which I learned from another parent, was the idea of a spit cup. Now it sounds nasty. It is a little bit nasty, but it actually is relieving so much stress and pressure off your child that it's inviting them more to try out these new foods. And you just get a little more cooperation. And a spit cup is exactly what it sounds like. It's just a cup that you put next to their plate, next to their other cup. Don't let them mix up the cups because that's nasty. And then you invite them to try a food and you tell them, if you don't like it, just spit it out in your spit cup. What this does is it allows them, again, to relieve the stress and pressure of this new food. And they'll actually try it because they know they have an out. Because also remember that at this age, two to four, when they're picky eaters, they're also hitting a stage of life where they are looking for more independence and more autonomy. So you are getting more no's and more pushback on everything because they're just trying to establish themselves as little independent beings who are not independent at all. But we're going to we're going to entertain them for a moment. So when we give them that spit cup, it allows them a little bit more control over their plate. They have that feeling of to fulfill that need for independence, that need for autonomy. So they're able to do it and they're more likely to try these new foods, whether or not they spit them out. Sometimes those first couple of times, they're going to spit them out just because they told you so, right? (laughs) They already knew they didn't like it before they tried it. And I told you so, I spit it out. But actually, they tasted it a little bit. And now next time, they might taste it a little bit more. Eventually, they may or may not like it. I remember with myself, I wanted to eat more greens. And so I started buying spinach, tried to find all these different ways to cook it, really didn't like spinach, but kept eating it. And eventually I got to the point where I would literally eat spinach out the bag like it was a bag of chips. And I fell in love with how spinach tasted. But it was just because it was something that I consistently kept doing. And I was liking the results. I actually remember when the shift happened. I I had committed to eating more spinach. And one day I saw a friend and he said, what have you been doing? Your skin looks really clear. Your skin looks clearer than it ever has looked. And I was like, ah, the spinach is working. (laughs) Me and spinach are best friends, right? That's that relationship to food. And now I can eat spinach any kind of way. My point is to consistently offer it to them in a way where they can start to see and feel the results. And also you can point out to them things like, wow, I notice you're really happy today. It must be that broccoli you ate yesterday. Oh, there's a party in your tummy. I don't know if y'all remember. um, Oh, what's that show? With the DJ who wore the red, he had the top hat, he was a DJ, and he had red, and there were a bunch of little, like, giant monster puppets around him. Some of y'all remember that show. I can't remember what it's called right now. But they used to sing, there's a party in my tummy. So yummy, so yummy. I always sing that song when my children try to try a new food. I'll be like, yay, the food went to the party in your tummy, 
right? So we're implementing this play again, even when it comes to food, making the relationship good. We're turning food into a party. I also do something where we sing the happy plate song, right? So if children eat all the food on their plate, we'll sing, Matilda has a happy plate, happy plate, happy plate. Matilda has a happy plate. She ate her food today. Hey, and these kids live for that little song. They are so proud when they finish their plate and show me their plate. This happens at the school also. Miss Sharice, Miss Sharice, I have a happy plate. I have a happy plate. They just want that song. So these little things that kind of makes eating a little bit more fun, makes them motivated to want to try it, it will help not only with their actual eating, but also with their relationship to food. And a side note when we're talking about relationship to food, one thing I also want you to consider, and I see it in my own house, which is why I'm mentioning it, is that a lot of times food can have an unhealthy relationship in the way that we use food as a celebration. And let me clarify. I think, of course, food is a huge cultural thing that we definitely use at all celebratory activities, and it should be. But I caution you, against using food and treats as rewards. When you have a child who cleans up their room and you promise them a popsicle because they cleaned up, what relationship are you creating to food and rewards? When you have a child who's sad and you offer them a cookie, what relationship are you actually offering them when you give them that cookie to make them happy or that cookie to reward them for doing a basic task that they should be doing, right? So I do want you to be aware of how you see food in your relationship to food and what habits and relationships you you are creating in your children. Do you want your child to grow up grabbing ice cream every time that they're sad or grabbing a cookie every time that they're sad? No, these are probably places where we need to teach them actual coping skills and not just throw food at them. So again, we're thinking about that relationship to food and how to create healthy relationships with food in our children. But of course, if they graduate, have the feast. They absolutely should have a feast on graduation day. Another thing that you can do similar to uh, spit cups is just having a separate plate. And this again can be like a sensory thing or just kids are picky, but my son is an example of someone who does not even want the food on his plate. If the food that he doesn't want is touching a food that he wants, throw the whole plate away. So because I understand the introdu- the importance of introducing new foods, he's going to get two plates from time to time. Sometimes that second plate is just like a little saucer, a coffee plate thing where I'll put his vegetables or his one piece of broccoli, right? I don't need to overwhelm him with a mass amount of broccoli. Just one piece of broccoli, see if it works out. <laughs> see if he'll taste it. No pressure because it's not on his plate, ruining his other food, messing up his dinner. He can still enjoy his night. He's still invited to eat the broccoli. I'm not wasting the broccoli because I didn't give him a large portion. Always start small with your children, regardless of their age. You can always add more to the plate, but always start smaller with these new introductions of foods that you're giving them. Now, if you have a super picky child and the introductions aren't working and the separate plate isn't working and the spit cup is not working, but you are really concerned because you see that they're smaller and you feel like they should be larger, one, let's not comment on their body. Don't start the whole, you need to eat, look how small you are, or you need to drink more water, you're getting big. We don't want to create body issues with our children. Your children's body is going to change all the time as they grow up. 
And let me tell you, that phase right before they hit puberty, I feel like this is obvious and we all know it, but in case it's not, I'm going to mention it. Every child is going to hit that awkward chubby phase. It is normal. Their bodies go out before their bodies go up. And truth be told, some bodies are just bigger than other bodies. So again, we want to create this relationship where we are focused more on health than we are on vanity or looks or other things. So don't try to force your children to eat because their body looks a certain way. Ask them to eat because we want to take care of our bodies and we want our bodies to be healthy. But like I said, if these other things aren't working, there are creative ways that you can start getting your children to have certain nutrients. I'm going to give you a couple of examples just so that you can understand the thought process of how you can get creative with your food. But obviously, these are not the only ways. But some things I do are if I can't get a child to eat chicken and I can't get them their proteins, I will sometimes boil a whole chicken in water and keep the chicken broth or sometimes I'll just buy chicken broth from the store and if they eat something like rice or noodles rather than cooking the rice or noodles in a boiling pot of water I will cook the rice or noodles in chicken broth because now I know that they're getting the nutrients from the chicken broth so I feel a little bit better about them eating just the carbs that night right I know at least they got a little protein from somewhere Another thing I'll do are things like if my my daughter loves jelly sandwiches, right? And I'm like, girl, this is just bread and sugar. But if she likes a jelly sandwich and won't eat anything else, I might get something like a few chia seeds and put it in the jelly, right? She thinks it's just seeds from the jelly, but she's also getting chia seeds. So I'm getting a little nutrition in there. It's making me feel better. I don't know how much it's doing, but I know she's getting a little nutrition and I feel better about it. I buy things like the protein shakes. I'll do things like when I make spaghetti, rather than using regular spaghetti sauce, I might use V8 juice, the nasty tomato sauce V8 juice that I don't know why anybody drinks it, but I'll make that with spaghetti because it's our tomato sauce. So now I know my child is getting some type of vegetables. I might chop up some little spinach in there and throw that in there. They think it's just basil or seasoning, but they're getting little pieces of, of spinach in there. And this is also where you can get creative if your children don't like things like spinach or things like meat in their sauce when they eat their spaghetti. You just put a tiny, tiny bit in there and mix it up. When I say a tiny bit, I mean like a teaspoon of meat in their spaghetti and mix it up. They don't even realize it's in there. And then as you reintroduce this more often, you give them a little bit more of it, a little bit more of it till they get used to it. So those are just like a few tips and tricks that I use. Smoothies are great. Juicing is great. Here's one of the things that's going to help you the most with picky eaters. And this goes back to that need for autonomy, independence, and feeling of like ownership is you invite your children to be a part of the process with all of these things. Invite your child to be a part of the process of picking out, you know, helping to meal plan and meal prep. Have them be a part of helping to go to the grocery store or order online what groceries you have so they feel like, oh, I picked that out. When they feel like they have ownership over whatever it is that they're doing, they are more likely to cooperate and be a part of it, right? So if they're picking out their foods, they're more likely to eat them. If you want to do things that are great for connection, like gardening with your child, it amazes me 
how for some reason, my children will not eat broccoli from the store, but if they pick it from our garden, they will eat it straight from the garden and think it is the most delicious thing in the world. I know it probably tastes better straight out of our garden also, but I also know that they just have a feeling of, I planted this, I watched it grow, and I want to enjoy the fruits of my labor, and it tastes so much better, and I'm willing to eat it. And so these different like tips and tricks I've used, like I said, hands down, when you invite your children to be a part of the process, they are going to be more likely to eat this food. They're going to be more likely to enjoy the food and have a healthy, positive relationship with the food. But I know that there's still a lot of fear and worry about food. And I think that when it comes to food and nutrition with our children, one of the biggest things is that pillar E, education. So really educating ourselves of where we can find these different nutrients, right? Because like I said, if you can't get them to eat chicken, you get chicken broth and put it in the noodles. That's something that I learned through studying different foods and educations. But really, I got this idea from somebody on Instagram. Her name is Mama Knows Nutrition. And she's amazing. And she has a bunch of hacks. And I, I always like to look to her. I encourage you to go follow her because she has a bunch of hacks. And she actually teaches you a lot of like, if you are not that mom that has time to juice and make smoothies and make your own popsicles, she helps you know which foods to pick out when it comes to the dino nuggets or the hot dogs, which ones are the healthiest, which ones are the best. So I encourage you to educate yourself. That is your homework for this week, is to educate yourself on food. Where are the different places that you can get protein to your child if they're not willing to eat it in one space? Where are the different places that you can get vitamins and nutrients and vegetables to your child if they're not willing to eat the spinach or the broccoli that you got from the store and put on their plate? Because there are creative ways to do this. But the last thing I'll say is that like at the end of the day, you just want your child to eat. So stop stressing if they're not willing to eat anything. You just want them to eat. I remember when I was pregnant, I couldn't hold any food down. And I was like, doctor, I don't know what to do. He's like, hey, if all you can eat is ice cream, eat the ice cream. You just need to make sure you get food in your system. He said the same thing with my children once I had my first picky eater. He was like, whatever you can get in their system, just make sure they're eating something. So make sure they're eating something and keep introducing the new foods, but also educate yourself on foods because if the only thing they're eating is bread, we know that breads eventually turn into sugars, which turn into carbs, which might just, that might be a problem if that's all they're eating, right? So educate yourself on the food. I'm going to help you educate yourself by uploading something in the Google Classroom. We have a free Google Classroom Parenting for the Culture podcast club. You can find the link right here in the show notes, or you can find the link in my bio on Instagram at Sheree Sims. But I'm going to upload some nutritional resources for you there that will really help you in how to get creative in feeding your child, how to get your child those nutrients and other things. So join me there. You can also send any questions that you have about parenting. Whatever your questions are, you can send them to me on Instagram at Sheree Sims. You can share them in the Parenting for the Culture podcast club where there are other parents who have similar questions or may have an answer to your question. Or you can send your questions to podcasts with an S at blacklove.com. Until then, I will see you guys next week for another talk about parenthood. Peace, everybody. Peace, everybody.